Come on now. F-471. That's a lot. You know, we're recording a day early and it just, it feels weird. I don't get it. Yeah, it's uh, it's like it's a Monday. It feels like it's two weeks early. Well, there's it's, always the same, like on Tuesday, there's always the, the, the punch drunk sports records right before us. Right. So I always see the same collection of comedians. Mm-hmm. And I pulled in the parking lot and there was different comedians and a lot more spaces. <laughs> yeah, and in the parking lot, I was like, wow, who are, yeah. what's going on? I don't recognize these people. Mm-mm. I don't know what's going on. Mm-mm. I expect the door to be locked. I, and so it, I left. Just, yeah. I home. Was yeah, we're recording two hours late. Is, so. I, it's, it just freaked me out. <laughs> no, Graham, you have to come back. But no, I'm already back I in Santa Monica. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I just, I, it ruffled me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're going to be talking about some, uh, uh, some fun movies today. We're going to be doing Dark Phoenix, Late Night. Uh, some interesting things on DVD and Blu-ray, um, Five Feet Apart, Captive State, and Captain Marvel, and some interesting trailers. But we do want to mention, too, um, you know, there'll be a couple of banked episodes coming up due to uh, road and vacation schedules. Next week, you will get the Godzilla spoiler. Uh, and honestly, it was a really good episode. It was, it was really fun. fun. It was with mm-hmm. Neil, who yeah. has a wealth of knowledge of the yes. Toho series. A wealth of passion and knowledge about Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> so he saw a lot of uh, references and Easter eggs and stuff like that in the movie that we, that you and I didn't that no, we missed. No, because we haven't seen every single Toho Godzilla monster movie that they've made. Five times each. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that'll drop next Tuesday, the mm-hmm. 18th, in, in lieu of a regular episode, because I'm going on the road. I'm going to the East mm-hmm. Coast uh, the 12th through the 19th. So. so check that out. But don't worry, we never leave you with no content. You, you have mm-hmm. a week to go see Godzilla. Yes. And then listen to the spoiler app. And then to buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a new guest today. And uh, he's never been on the show Long before. time friend of the Long-time program. Long time friend of the program. Known him within the podcasting world for years. We just have not had him uh, specifically on the show. It took Aaron to get him on the show. Aaron did it. Mm-hmm. So, blame him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys play softball together? <clears throat> we do, yeah. And That's uh, how things work. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, we're golf buddies or... Yeah. Next you know, thing you know, you're on a podcast. You know, mm-hmm. we literally, have, I got softball out of the podcast because he listened to my old podcast, and so that's how we became friends because he listened to it. And then, yep. So it was podcast became softball became other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it all goes in a circle. <laughs> it is softball is the circle of life mm-hmm. if you think about it. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, podcaster, producer, writer, uh, Cole Stratton. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me on 471. It's a very Special episode. It really is. It really you know, is. You could have yeah. saved me for something stupid like 500, but thank well, you for giving me a 471. 500 is a waste. Yeah. Yep. This I mean, is much better. We're halfway to 942. Mm-hmm. So that's we're the most. That's close. the mark. That's the one. That's the one everybody looks for. You know, so. So, so Cole, tell us about, uh, you know, what you've been up to. I know you had the Pop My Culture podcast that ended a couple years ago. And uh, what are you What are you doing now? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mostly work <laughs> on my festival, SF Sketchfest, which you guys mm-hmm. have been up to. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of my full-time gig. And mm-hmm. then... Um, and for people who don't know, it's every january Every january Right. Yeah. For about 18 straight days. It's mm-hmm. madness. About 250 shows for 18 days. It's, wow. It's in San Francisco. It is a blast. If you've mm-hmm. never it's been really to it, fun. it's so fun. It has every comedian and podcast you've ever wanted to see in a mm-hmm. great city. Pretty much, yeah. And we're going into our 19th year this January. Wow. Oh, so, that's fantastic. Which is crazy to think that I've been doing it that long since I'm mm-hmm. one of the founders of it. So... We just kind of did it straight out of college and have been doing it mm-hmm. ever since. Um, so yeah, that and then Pop My Culture ended a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. 
And um, just been kind of kicking other things around. Um, Janet Varney and I had a kind of limited podcast series on Audible called The Bat, which is like an improvised in the dark podcast mm-hmm. that we did live in front of an audience completely blacked out, which was good. Mm-hmm. Nice. The lights were blacked out. We were fine. We weren't like blackout drunk or anything. But uh, the <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you out. try that. Maybe yeah. you yeah. try that for a future episode. <laughs> sure. mm-hmm. Incoherent bats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we did that. That You can find that on Audible. It's up there. But mm-hmm. it's uh, two of us and then four guest improvisers every episode and stuff too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just been kind of you know, popping around doing other things. And then you did Pop My Culture for how long? Seven years. What was it like to do a podcast for seven years and then not do it? It was weird. I mean, honestly, there was sort of a relief to it because I pretty much booked the guests and there was a guest every episode. There was never just me and Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did every episode with me except for one where she was Vanessa like, Raglan. Vanessa Raglan, mm-hmm. yeah. I've done that. I did that show like six, seven years ago yeah, maybe. A long, a long time ago, yeah. And Vanessa is now doing the Dynasty Typewriter with Jamie with Flam. Jamie Flam. Yep. Mm-hmm. She runs that. She's on Alchemy This, mm-hmm. um, which is Kevin Pollock's podcast, which actually I sub-host a lot when he's out of town filming Maisel. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she's, she's keeping busy too, but I, I will say it was a bit of relief for a little while because I didn't have to, I don't have to find a guest this week sure. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we would record like every other week. We kind of tried that with our schedules about twice a month, mm-hmm. um, because it was just too hard for us to do it any more right. than that, which is really sexy for advertisers. They, want to just, <laughs> you know, they love that. Spread they it love. out as much as possible. <laughs> um, which is a thing I realized that like a lot of podcasts now go twice a week because it doubles your numbers for the week because the way that like iTunes and that kind of stuff judges it is based on like your per week stuff. So two episodes, if you have like 50,000 listeners is like a hundred thousand on the charts. So I was like, oh, that's pretty devious. I don't know why I never did that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why Alchemy to this is like twice a week now and other things mm-hmm. like that too, which is pretty crazy. Did you feel like, man, like, did you miss the show after doing it? Or were you just like, oh, I'm glad I have this off my plate? I missed it. And I still miss it from time to time. Um, but, you know, we did it like 217 episodes, which isn't a lot for seven years. <laughs> like, because <laughs> we kind of premiered around the same time as Nerdist. And like, by the time we were done, they were on like on episode 784 or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. they were releasing three a week at a certain point. Right. Um, but, it, you know, we, the reason I think we ended it was because Vanessa, like she had a kid a few years ago and she's like, I'm not watching anything. <laughs> like I haven't, right. I really just kind of want to focus on being a mom and get my acting stuff going. And it just wasn't fun for her anymore. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of felt like a lot of work for us towards the end there. And before it was just kind of a joy to do. And I think mm-hmm. we kind of knew that, all right, we'll hang it up. So we did the last one live at Sketchfest uh, with Paul F. Tompkins, Sam Levine and Rhett Miller. And it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And uh, yeah been kicking around ideas with sam levine we're buddies too so we've been talking about starting a few things but we were both like just lazy enough to talk about it and not get it going. <laughs> perfect um, yeah. someday someday <laughs> one of these days mm-hmm. within the next year or two hopefully you'll see something from us all right well uh we all saw dark phoenix so let's talk about this last x-men movie for some time as you know disney acquires reacquires everything and has plans to fold it into the MCU, but it's not going to happen right away. Mm-hmm. You know, they've even said it's going to be a couple of years before you see the X-Men again. Um, and I can guarantee you they're going to recast everybody. Nobody's going to get, um, nobody's going to make the uh, transition. There's no There's no reason to. That's what Marvel does. You know, well, if we're going to, you know, do this and put it in the MCU, we're going to do it our way and start over. Mm-hmm. So I have to say, this was kind of like a nice swan song for the x-men that we the cinematic universe that we know um as you know the x-men movies have been up and down shall we say yeah, uh, yeah. as uh, as far as quality aren't you, aren't goes, you polite fair. yes <laughs> as uh, as far as quality goes um all kind of all over the map 
you've got first class and you've got Brett Ratner. So there's there's definitely goes many different directions. <laughs> that just, that's how you the two yeah. columns yeah. are just <laughs> pretty much. And what a storied cinematic career Brett Ratner has had. Yes, three. You know. <laughs> so. Uh, I, I liked Dark Phoenix for sure. Um, I, I really felt like it, it kind of paid homage to the X-Men movies that came before it, but also kind of charted some new ground where the uh, Dark Phoenix saga has been in the comics for years, and it's a huge, big story. And X-Men fans for years have been like, well, when are they going to do Dark Phoenix? And it's like, oh, we get um, we get a shadow under the water for you know X-Men 3. That's all we get for Dark Phoenix. And then that was forgotten for years, and now they finally did the storyline here in a much condensed version because <laughs> I don't know if you're a comic reader yeah. but uh, there's there's a lot more to the Dark Phoenix saga than you know than the movie for sure yeah, I used mm-hmm. to read uh, a lot of Marvel comics growing up I was one of those like Marvel not DC guys like mm-hmm. DC never did much for it this is a weird rivalry when you're like 12 like you right? choose <laughs> so crazy it's like, stupid it's really dumb you every, Marvel mm-hmm. even though we all read both yeah mm-hmm. there's the we just had to pick a side. Right. Know, just like, and then like Dark Horse came up and you're like, I guess I can read this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Well, they're weird. independent. That doesn't count. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I was a big Marvel kid. So I only mm-hmm. read, read stray DC issues, but I was big in Marvel. And X-Men was my favorite book. So mm-hmm. I have kind of like X-Men 175 through 300. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of when I read it. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot of great storylines out there that they've never touched, um, mm-hmm. which was why I'm always kind of leery about like why they sort of soft reboot a lot of storylines and bring them back here and there, which is mm-hmm. kind of like, well, why? there's so many things you could be doing that mm-hmm. are great that you were, you know, 10 episode arc or issue arcs that they could be up to. So, um, yeah, so I always had a bit of a soft spot for X-Men and I was really excited when they brought it to the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very happy with the first movie. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, I didn't like that they went the DC route of like black leather, like let's you know in the film universe thing it's like right. they have looks like let them have the look you know, i honestly think in. you know the studios and production designers didn't know what else to do yeah with like uh superhero costumes like well they can't be bright yellow just make everything dark and, and leathery and that was it because that's all we got for a while yep everything looked like the bat batman michael keaton's batman suit right mm-hmm. everybody yes yeah, yeah. literally daredevil yep, anyone yep. all mm-hmm. of them they all look like Dark superhero <laughs> repertory players in a theater yes, company. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> repertory. Yeah. Oh, that superhero rep is amazing. Mm. They do. They have a fantastic mm. schedule. Wear your superhero blacks. Mm. It'll all be neutral. <laughs> um, yeah, so, superhero <laughs> I never really got that. Like, I just, They have looks for a reason. I know that you need to, like, obviously you can't make it super bright because you can't mm. have these characters wandering around like a little, oh, I see him. He's right there. Like, There's mm-hmm. no big deal if they're that bright. But there's ways to make it. It kind of reminiscent of what their look is supposed to be instead of mm-hmm. just completely killing it and just being like oh well he has his power so I know that it's Banshee because he's screaming or whatever mm-hmm. but like you can make them look like they're supposed to look at least a little bit right so that always kind of bummed me out mm-hmm. but yeah I like actually like Dark Phoenix a decent amount like mm-hmm. and the reviews are terrible going in like the Rotten Tomatoes was like 20% or whatever really so really it's oh. really low so I didn't have high expectations for it mm-hmm. and I've kind of learned not to because Apocalypse was pretty bad yes and, you know I just mm-hmm. I always look at these things as like, it's just an episode or an issue I haven't read yet in my right. mind. Like, so mm. some are going to be great and some right. aren't going to be great, but I don't get, 
so bent out of shape about it, like so many of these fans do about everything. Right. Like, you know, nobody hates Star Wars more than the Star Wars fans. Like that kind right. of stuff. Like, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it makes me crazy. It's, it's I get it. Like, way to put it. It mm-hmm. wasn't exactly what you wanted it to be. It wasn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that any movie gets made ever because there's so many hands on it. That, sure. That the fact that you even get it filmed and edited and acted and, and it's decent is a miracle nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. These movies are the equivalent of these big, big budget ones are the equivalent of like building a new 70,000 seat stadium. You know, when there's like a new stadium, like it's been, t- it's taken years, the Ram stadium, it's going to have this and all this stuff in there. It would, that's how much money and time and effort and people they're putting involved in this. And then, so for everybody to just lose their shit over, it would be like the new stadium and then just be like, they didn't have a gluten-free stand, you know, or whatever. It's like, it, it's a great point. It's just an issue. When you were reading comics as a kid or even now as an adult and you come across an, a, an issue that's not that great, you, do you go online and just lose your shit that like, they've they've sold us all out, they've ruined it? No, they just swung and missed. And if you'd like to keep the stadium analogy going, imagine you're making a stadium and it's at every... 10 days somebody's like what if instead of seats <laughs> there was just like a hole with water in it that everybody just kind of floated in during the game okay i think that would be different right well like maybe seats is the way we should go i don't know <laughs> like that kind of thing so yeah it is just like another issue so i just i just don't get bent out of shape about that stuff mm. anymore sometimes i walk up going like yeah it's a bit of a dis- it's a bummer it's disappointing mm. or whatever but i'm never upset about it where do you put it not in the whole marvel universe but just in the x-men in the movies. x-men trajectory i put it towards the bottom but not at the bottom like i mm-hmm. think for me x2 is my favorite it always has been mm-hmm. that opening scene with nightcrawler like bouncing around the white house or whatever is amazing right. to me mm-hmm. um and then like i like days of future past a lot i like mm-hmm. first class a lot mm-hmm. obviously logan's fantastic if you mm-hmm. count the you know mm-hmm. the wolverine ones sure um i definitely put it above apocalypse and x3 yes. and that yeah. kind of stuff too so and I was kind of in the middle towards the bottom. Like, there's ones I like a lot better than it, but mm-hmm. I didn't dislike it. I walked right. out being like, okay, it was decent. It was yeah. a good, I thought it had a good, um, uh, just the way, like, um, what I'm trying to say, like, the, the story was good, but I think the way it unfolded, the pacing, that's what I'm trying to say. I like yeah. the pacing of this film. Like, it didn't just throw you into a bunch of explosions like uh, at the very beginning because, that gets tiresome yeah exactly because i'm like well if everything's blowing up in the opening scene where do we where do we go from here mm-hmm. just more stuff's gonna blow up so i'm done uh but what i liked about it is it slowly unfolded like what was going on with uh gene and her becoming dark phoenix and the energy and and uh you know there is you know the aliens coming in and uh you know not, not to get into any spoilers but you know there's there's aliens and there's a dark phoenix force but I love the way it was tied in and like, well, yeah, that's what's going on. But there's also stuff going on with her internally as well. And that's this powerful force is magnifying it. So we got that those rare moments of character development that we don't always get in superhero movies where characters are actually relating to each other on a human level. And the movie took time for those scenes when normally a lot of times you don't. Just like, no, no, over, we yeah. need more people being punched in the face. Or more things blowing up. So. Plus, we got an X Men kegger, and you don't get that. No, often, you don't. You know? <laughs> so that was good. You got uh, a little uh, a little hint of Jubilee in the uh, in the forest, and like, yep. uh, with the uh, little light show. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, and the, and it was interesting to see like an entire um, mansion filled with future X Men. Like, uh, but what was interesting is you never saw any of their powers. There were just 
Kids. You know, they were, they were just, yeah. Walking there were around. dozens of kids walking around. And you never really said, well, what, does anybody do anything? What's, what's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I liked it. Um, you know, I, I, I feel similarly. I'm like, well, there's the X-Men movies and then there's the MCU. And it's because of a rights ownership issue, yeah. which is why they're, they're different. And I would only put maybe, you know, Logan and First Class... A couple, all the most of the Wolverine ones like were pretty awesome. Like Logan, mm-hmm. and then the one where he goes to Japan, that samurai one. Yeah, that one's good. Like, except for the last third, right? The first two thirds are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's only a handful I could even consider putting into comparison with the rest of the Marvel movies. But there's still always like, aside from the obvious ones we've talked about that are just disasters. They're still always like, okay, yeah, that's that's a, and I always remember the first X Men movie, putting it in context of the fact that prior to that, superhero movies, Marvel movies had been horrifying. Yes. Mm-hmm. They had been really bad. Remember when we were saying how oh, Marvel movies will never be as good as uh, Batman? Nope. and Michael Keaton's Batman. No, yeah, that was how <laughs> low the bar was yeah. for us as, as as comic book fans. Yeah, no, it was. Bad. They were bad. I mean, I I used to I go with my friend Gabe Diani a lot to these things. I used to when I was in college and high school mm-hmm. and stuff like that too. And like we would always just joke about. I remember we saw we went and saw Daredevil, which was terrible mm-hmm. and uh afterwards we were just joking like well if they ever make a guardians of the galaxy we can go see that because mm-hmm. that book was like not good this right. is like when we read it, it was like pre-rocket raccoon and like right. and groot and all that stuff too it was kind of like the butt of a comics joke mm-hmm. and sure enough like they made it and it was amazing it was fantastic yeah. <laughs> and i just never saw that happening it just felt like all the marvel comics movies weren't really good they weren't going anywhere like the punisher this like, isn't even counting times. uh you know the um uh, the, remember the Fantastic Four movie that oh, Roger yeah. Corman did? That, yeah. Like, good oh. luck trying even even find it. But it's I got it like a, a copy of it, and it is an absolute disaster. It's like if you ever imagine a superhero movie being made for by four for four dollars, that's what it would look like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was so like I always I, for whatever reason when I go to the X Men movies, I always put it in that historical context of mm-hmm. like, okay. You know, like this was amazing, you know, for its era, for its time. They've made some good movies. They and and this was a decent story. It wasn't was I going nuts for it like I did Endgame or Infinity War? Like I walked out of those movies like, ah, oh, what? You know? Mm-hmm. Right. No, but it was it was it was decent in the X-Men universe. Um, you know, X-Men is always about most superhero movies, but the X-Men world has always been about, you're not a weirdo. You're not, you know, you're called a mutant and you, you Mm -hmm. know, unleash your powers. And then there's always that battle of what if you unleash your powers for, but that's always been the Magneto, you know what I mean? That Mm -hmm. of of like, well, they hate us. So fuck them, you know? Uh, and so that was interesting. And her, her, without getting into the spoilers of it, you know, her dilemma of, her origin story, you know, mm-hmm. and and that was really interesting. There were some moments that were a little boring, mm-hmm. but you know, they did. I think Chris Gore on last week's episode put it well in terms of they wrapped it up, the X Men world. They set us up for the kids if they want to do more, and I yeah. was like, fine, yep. great, you know, like it was, it was, it was fun. It was entertaining. It's like you, Cole. Like I, I view it just like, oh, that was a good issue. Yeah. Well, it wasn't an issue I'm going to be talking about for 20 years. No, like, uh, uh, you know, 
mm-hmm. the Dark Knight series or whatever, mm-hmm. V for Vendetta, but it's a it's something right. you're gonna go, yeah, yeah, cool. Well, the uh, this was Jessica Chastain's first Marvel movie, which was interesting because she turned down roles, the roles of Maya Hansen in Iron Man three and Hope Van Dyne in Ant Man, and I'm thinking, well, you turned down those two, but this is the one you picked. Are you she sure? played a good villain, just a cold stone faced villain. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, you don't really get to act. You're just kind of talking slowly. That's but uh, uh, yeah, she played. That's probably a great why she showing. took the gig. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> I don't want to run around and get a personal trainer. I'm yeah, just going to walk like, up and stone facely just say, "You yep. need to come with us," or whatever. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then uh, and then the rest will be uh, computer effects. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't got to. What do I got to do? Yeah. Just... When uh, um, so it's the directorial debut of writer Simon Kinberg, and he has lived with the X Men for many many years. You know, he's written uh, a bunch of these movies, and even like the. TV properties, you always kind of see him somewhere as an EP. Like, uh, you know, he's got his hand in so many of these. Um, The film takes place in 1992, the year the X-Men comics were relaunched with new costume designs and the new cartoon show, X-Men the Animated Series. I actually remember that. uh, And I think one of the streaming services had it, and my kids actually rediscovered it, and they watched it there, too. Yeah, I definitely, Um, I was reading, that was, for me, I was in just beginning high school at that time. So mm-hmm. like, I was definitely into all that stuff and mm-hmm. the X-Men relaunch and cause uncanny was what I read forever. And then right. the relaunch happened. And that was back when like all of a sudden the comics started getting really expensive and they all had these like die cast covers that were like mm-hmm. more expensive issues. And all of a sudden it was like four bucks per issue instead of like a dollar 25. And mm-hmm. that's kind of when I started to get out of collecting because it just got prohibitively expensive. Cause I had a box at a comic shop or like, mm-hmm. you know, weekly they would pull the issues that you told them to pull or whatever. So you'd get them mm-hmm. first if it was a special issue, but but yeah, the X-Men relaunch was like a big deal at the time, too. I remember that, mm. for sure. So, all right. Any uh, final thoughts on Dark Phoenix? Yeah, it's worth seeing. If you yeah, like, if for the, sure. If you like the X-Men world, it's not going to be a huge disappointment. There's some, I think the woman, that, that that actress who played Dark Phoenix... I think oh, she Sophie did, Turner, yeah. yeah. She did a really great job mm-hmm. of showing the, the conflict that she's having within and... and you know, all, I think they did a fine job. And like mm-hmm. you say, it wasn't just one big explosion to the next. Right. There, was some, there was some story. There was some character arc that, that that's what you, I'm, that's the thing I'm so over in these big budget movies. Yeah, it's yeah. just the explosions. Well, yeah. It's just one <laughs> thing next to another, another, we got to go. We're going to mm-hmm. die. Bro. You know, and then mm-hmm. there's another one and another one. And I don't care if they die. I, I agree with you guys. I think it's, this movie was definitely kind of in the middle, like, uh, of like, you know, it wasn't the best one, but it was nowhere near the worst ones. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was a good ending. Right? Plus I Michael it. Fassbender kind of steals every scene. He's, yes. like, he really like, he's yes. amazing. Yeah. Fantastic in it. Of like, course. I'll miss him in the reboots. Cause I'm sure this is the last time he's yeah. played magneto but oh yeah this will be it mm-hmm. yeah but yeah he was fantastic yeah it was really yeah okay all right next movie now you saw late night i did so tell us about that movie cool. it's really good mm-hmm. um it's uh, it's nice to see emma thompson in like a really juicy fantastic role mm-hmm. um and mindy kaling wrote it and stars mm-hmm. in it as well and i've always been kind of like on the fence about her but i thought she's really good in it mm-hmm. and um a lot of good character actors and other parts too dennis o'hare people like that uh, it's good. It's fan- it's really really good. It's real written, well performed. It's very funny. Moves mm-hmm. moves at a good clip. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know how realistic it is in terms of like backstage at a late night show kind of stuff because that's a world that I've never seen in person. Mm-hmm. So right. I can't tell you how realistic that is. And uh, not to spoil anything, it kind of wraps itself up in a way that's like eh, okay, but um, 
but yeah, it's definitely worth seeking out. I know it's just kind of playing, I think, limited right now. It okay. hasn't really gone wide yet because it's all at the landmark. But oh, okay. I've seen the trailer and there's some funny moments in it, but I'm also... I was worried that it like, well, it looks like it may not come together the way it should, but it sounds like it did. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's solid. It's not like something that I would say like is the funniest comedy I've ever seen or anything like that, but it's it's amusing. It, mm-hmm. It's definitely funny and um, well-performed. And I just love Evan Thompson. I just feel like... She's she's been allowed to age, which I love. Right, <laughs> uh, which is like a thing that just doesn't happen much in Hollywood, which is sad. Mm-hmm. But like, she's still like fantastic and beautiful and funny and like sharp and clever. And like, mm-hmm. this role is perfect for her in that mm-hmm. scenario. And it's nice to see a comedy that's like smart. It's not mm-hmm. dumb. And uh, and to see her and Mindy Kaling at the forefront of it is is great. I think the top four build people are women, so which is fantastic. Which mm-hmm. is, doesn't happen that much. Um, which might be why it's limited right now. <laughs> Move it wider. See if it goes, uh, yeah, wide release. Right. But I think it will. I think it's getting good reviews overall. So I think it'll it'll push. Now, mm-hmm. as far as, like, the story goes, it's um, Minnie Kaling is a uh, is a, uh, a writer that gets a job on this late night show where Emma Thompson is the host. And then it, it, that's all the trailer gives you, which is good. Like, the trailer doesn't give away too much of it. And then I guess the story goes from there. Yeah, the setup is pretty simple. It's just that she has, like, an all-male writer's room. And her show's mm-hmm. kind of, like, gone downhill and then she's told this is her last year and she's like this she won all these emmys she's like very famous like icon of light night and so she's just trying to figure out okay oh this is my show how do i fix this this is like everything to me Mm -hmm. um and then she realizes that she has no women writers period on the thing and so she tells dennis o'hare this is the very beginning just like go get me a woman writer and mindy kaling happens to like read like get an interview and she works at like a power plant like she's not a professional writer um, and they explain how she gets the interview and all that stuff right. too. But like, and then they hire her on in this about that kind of relationship and figuring out how to turn her show around and fix mm-hmm. the writer's room and stuff too. And uh, yeah, it's good. Nice. All right, we'll check it out. All right. Well, Graham, we have a sponsor today. What? Euro Are we going to talk about Ma or no? Uh, no. Um, we, it turns out none of us saw it. So we'll be talking oh. about that uh, maybe uh, next uh, next show because it's something I actually want to catch because I'm actually... You thought you were going to see it. I thought I was going to see it and I did not. And uh, here's why I wanted to see it uh, after seeing the trailer and not wanting to see it. It's actually the same director that directed Octavia Spencer in The Help. <laughs> Well then, so yes, that Tate would make Taylor. suddenly that yeah, would make yeah, me yeah. want to go see this. Which uh, Allison Janney is in it as well because of that whole health wow. thing. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so after I love Allison Janney like, you know and what? I love Octavia Spencer. I so. kind of, I kind of, because now now it tells me they might have done something interesting with it. So uh, now I kind of want to go see it. <laughs> so it seems like the mm-hmm. kind of thing. Looking at the, if you were to just told me the premise of that movie and seen the trailer, I'm like, no, seen the <laughs> and, and different people, mm-hmm. you might have gone, all right. Mm-hmm. But you start saying, that's that director, and then Octavia Spencer and Allison Janney, you go, that actually, that team could take this sort of flimsy horror Mm -hmm. thriller premise and make it really cool and interesting. Yeah. And it's Blumhouse, so I never know how I feel about that, because, you know, it (laughs) could be be Get Out, which is great. You know, Mm -hmm. they give creative control to the people that do these movies, which is probably why, Mm -hmm. and they shoot them on a shoestring budget, and Mm -hmm. so they always make tons of money, but... Half of them are jump scare movies, which I just I don't have any time for in my life. Like right. when the nun trailer would happen in the theater, I started walking out and going to use the bathroom and come yeah. back in because mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that jump scare is so cheap at the end, and I hate mm-hmm. it. And like yep. everybody then would just start talking like, "Oh, this is gonna be the best movie ever." I'm like, "No, mm-hmm. you just got no. like completely fooled. Like it's not that good. It's yeah. all to those cheap scares. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All it of is. Them. And you've seen them a thousand times. Yes, before. <laughs> literally." 
I'm like, is a black cat going to go yeah. and jump in the mm-hmm. window and make me... <laughs> The wind gonna blow open a uh, a window. The <laughs> if I open up the medicine cabinet, which has a mirror on it, and then I close oh, it, who's in the mirror who's behind? Who's gonna be behind me now? Oh. And uh, we only have one music stab for the, all of those scenes, and we're yeah. gonna use it over and over again for twenty yep. years. So, <laughs> God willing. So, uh, and uh, so we have Eero as a sponsor. The Eero Wi-Fi system. Uh, never think about Wi-Fi again. It's a really cool system. This is they're doing the second generation Eros and Eero beacons. They have a uh, tri-band, so it's twice as fast. It's great. It has increased speed and range. It sits flat on the surface, plugs in with a power adapter, and it connects over Ethernet or wirelessly in any combination. So what it is, it's a system that uh, you have one kind of gateway, and then you have the beacons that you can put uh, in plugs throughout the rest of your house to extend your Wi-Fi range. Because we don't have a giant house, but if we have our... Uh, we want to get Wi-Fi in the garage, so it doesn't go from the garage all the way to the bedroom. So this was like a perfect solution for us. We set it up, and we have the beacons in the house, and it actually ends up extending all the way to the uh, bedrooms. But what's great is it's really easy to set up. You do it through your app on your phone. Oh, really? So you have like, and it connects through Bluetooth, so you're near the beacons, and it tells you, nope, try again. Put it somewhere closer. <laughs> or uh, or I'm like, yep set it up now put the other one on and you know and then you can check the wi-fi uh, regardless of where you are in the house so it's really really good and it's simple because i've had those moments where i'm setting up a wi-fi system and a router and i'm trying to figure out the ip address to access the router and putting in pat and it's a nightmare and so this is a thousand times easier so it's really good um uh, it's a distributed system you can install a wi-fi system in your home for just in just minutes and you can manage the network uh, from the palm of your hand with the app, which is great. But here's the thing, Graham. As always, why would you pay full price if you're a comedy film nerd's listener? We're not going to do wouldn't. that to you. Of course not. We're not dead. You know, I mean, you've got great customer support. You've got all of these things. And, uh, and you know, we, um, we push, they push software updates to their uh, customers. So you always have the most updated software on the router um, and the Eero and the beacons. So they have overnight shipping. And we're going to give it to you guys for free. Uh, Eero.com. And at checkout, select overnight shipping, then enter comedy, and you make it free. So visit Eero.com, E-E-R-O-W, excuse me, E-E-R-O dot C-O-M. And at checkout, select overnight shipping, and then enter comedy to make it free. So check it out, Eero. It's really great, and it's easy to set up and use. All right, that's exciting. Yep, and we have some Patreon sponsors, too. Oh, you know, guys, if you go to patreon.com slash comedyfilmnerds, you, too, can have your business or project or whatever read, as Chris is about to do right now on Comedy Film Nerds episode 471. Halfway to what? Uh, 942. Perfect. Okay. Uh, we have Johnny Rulon. I love that Johnny Rulon just keeps going back month after month. Johnny's fantastic. And uh, he's got his novel Green Cheek, A Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's on Amazon, both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel. It follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and immortal lover T.S. on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. Check it out. HappyHorrorShowProductions.com. HappyHorrorShowProductions.com. Fanboy Planet, a website and podcast for all things geeky and amazing. Check out Fanboy Planet for all your comic news, your movie news, TV news, and interviews. Uh, check out fanboyplanet.com. And from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide, a dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death. One cup of coffee at a time. New episodes every Friday, wherever podcasts are found. Check it out over coffeeoversuicide.com. Coffeeoversuicide.com. And Alice Frazier, host of The Bugle, host of The Bugle, and host of Tea with Alice. 
brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. They were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne uh, International Comedy Festival with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. Go to alicefraser.com, alicefraser.com. Now, I just did tea with Alice, and um, we have like a fair amount of crossover audience with tea with Alice, and I got some nice comments. Someone uh, called me... Uh, an astute observer of the world <laughs> in the comments. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like I should put that on my resume. I, was, I, 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 I would say T-shirt. Like, yeah, yeah, I would that's, say Chris Mancini. That's got to be a hashtag of, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That's, that should be your moniker. That's your, I think that's, yeah. that's your brand. That's my log line. Yeah, that, is your, <laughs> that is. That is, Chris. Your business cards, print them yeah, up. I feel yeah. like it. <laughs> so it's a, it was a really fun show to do. And... Uh, uh, we have the Art Podcast, a new episode with writer Mark Silver talking about the realities of art and life. Check out the Art Podcast on social media and at theartpodcasts.com with an S. All right, Graham, ready for some uh, trailers? I already yeah. set them up for you wow. and minimized. You're so um, great. I check. was going to not have them ready. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the opposite. Of yep, what that's is. the exact opposite of that. So we have Ford versus Ferrari. Um, and I got to tell you, when the for the teaser trailer first came out, I was completely unimpressed, but now I'm on board. So Look out there, the out there is the perfect lap. You see it. So got Christian Bale. I almost said he has an insufferable British accent, but they realized, oh no, I forgot he's British. Most people cry. <laughs> Carol Shelby, maybe the I Coke Ford Motor. Damo is horrible English American accent. <laughs> so bad. To win the 24 hours of Le Mans. What's it take? Well, it takes something money can't buy. Money can buy speed. What well, about speed? You need a pure racer behind the wheel of your car. That's Ken Miles. I don't trust him an inch. We heard he's difficult. No, no, Ken's a puppy dog. It's completely no, believable when you see a scene is, of Christian Bale no, punching somebody. Yes, it is. Good sting, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's an outtake, actually. Yeah. <laughs> With a fold. Correct. First time a trailer has ever used a Rolling Stones song. <laughs> and how long did you tell them that you needed? Two, three hundred years? Ninety days. <laughs> This isn't the first time Ford Motors has gone to war. We know how to do more than push paper. Go ahead, Carol. Go to war. Thank you, sir. This needs to be a moratorium on this. (laughs) We're lighter, we're faster. That don't work, we're nastier. History. At least it isn't life as a highway. That was you know? <laughs> See, that would be. I would have turned. I would have had to turn it off. Bail, you can drive my car. <laughs> Cross town traffic so hard to get through to you. All right, they're already dangling some Oscar bait for sure. And here, I found this very interesting when I saw that trailer. Um, it's because it's very different from the, the teaser. It's rivalry, a, a better. And- uh, but 
they make the reference of, oh, you know, it's not the first time Ford has gone to war. Go to war. And I realized after I saw that line in the trailer, they shot this like a trailer for a war movie. That's exactly what they, they put it together like, well, we're making a, uh, to pretend you're making a World War II trailer. Movie. Right. And, uh, I mean, Ford was uh, huge in the War of 1812. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're the reason we have our independence. Right. <laughs> <laughs> From the Ford Motor Company. Yeah. Yes. It was the Model T that mm-hmm. helped us win. Yep. Um, Just crank it up, put it on the battlefield. <laughs> part of me, as, as, you know, when I was a kid, I was a car, I liked race cars and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I loved the Shelby Mustang. Um, you know, this seems intriguing to me, but I don't know. I hear a lot of accents and I hear a lot of, I don't know. I've never been into cars ever. I would be more interested in a movie that's just about how dependable my Subaru is. <laughs> but um, but this we're actually, going to war with dependability. <laughs> yeah. This actually looks pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, at least entertaining enough to take a look at it. I think mm-hmm. I'm always interested to see what Christian Bale's going to do and mm-hmm. how much he's going to weigh and like, what yes, he's going to get. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, are you how much he's going to weigh? Yeah. Are you machinist but can punch? Right. So now you're like somewhere in the middle. Is yeah. that <laughs> so? I think. Yeah, I mean, it could be, it, you know, it, it's, they're, they're, it's the producers from Walk the Line. I liked Walk the Line. Mm-hmm. I like a, I mean, a car race accent haircut movie. So, you know, I guess we'll. And I like James Mangold as a director. So, yeah. like, I'll yeah. give him the benefit of the doubt because, like, like, you know, Logan and Walk the Line, but also, like, Copland and things like right. that, too. So I think he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's been a good. At, at creating conflict and yeah. uh, drama, for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. And, like, he'll take these movies that are, technically a big canvas movie now and make it feel kind of small too mm-hmm. in a good way that's such a great point that's right. the thing that mangold does so well is mm-hmm. he'll take these big people in these big moments and pull boil it down to some really simplistic human moment you know he did that so well and walked the line of these like little subtle moments you know that were ended up were huge points of history so like and walk the line when he records at Folsom prison right and he's backstage and He's got dirty water, and he's like, hey, Warden, you uh, drink this water? He goes, I'm a Coca-Cola man myself. And he's like, hmm. <laughs> and he just kind of smiles, and then he goes on stage, and when because he comes in and tells him, do more Christian songs, don't rile the boys up. And he's like, this song's for your Warden. And he throws the water down, <laughs> oh, this dirty water. I thought I was tough, and does that whole speech. And, you know, he Mangle drama, dramatizes uh, that event, which was, they told Johnny Cash he was crazy to make that. It ended up being his most successful album ever and broke it down into these very personal moments backstage with the warden. Did it happen that way? I don't know. But he did it that way and and it, and it really like, it, it, as you say, takes this bigger moment and makes it smaller. So that's what I'm guessing we're gonna see. And in that trailer, knowing it's mangled, there's gonna be these little subtle, quiet moments where these guys, you know, go, oh, this can't be done. And some of them goes, well, who said, why, why not? Mm-hmm. Which is how those big things always start. Somebody at a diner or an auto goes, why not? Mm-hmm. And then it, it, the, the trajectory makes this amazing thing. Yep. And you then, can put out a version I'm sure of, they said that, oh, but I'm sure we could have used more than 90 days. So. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you can put out a version of Logan that's black and white and get away with it. Like that's right. pretty ballsy and great. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think he's. I think it's good. I think it looks good. I think I'll give it a shot. All right. Yeah, and the next one is Ad Astra. This is the. Um, um, this is a space two thousand and one movie that Christopher Nolan about? didn't make. <laughs> I do what I do because of my dad. He was a hero. 
He gave his life for the pursuit of knowledge. Control, you're getting that over. Crazy out there. There's fires everywhere and plane crashes. They're calling it the surge. Major, we have some highly classified information. What can you tell us about the Lima project? Its objective was to search for advanced extraterrestrial life. The ship disappeared approximately 16 years into the mission. And the commander was? He was my father, sir. I hate that lead-in question that makes no sense. He already yes. knows that. Your uh father -huh. was experimenting with a highly classified material that could threaten our entire solar system. All life would be destroyed. We're counting on you to find out what's happening out there. I worry about you. I love you. Please begin your You've got hints of interstellar in here for sure. Mm -hmm. As best you can. Please describe your. But then you also got like Tommy Lee Jones. I'm feeling good. He's missing. Ready to do my job to the best of my abilities. This is the space cowboy sequel we were waiting. For. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know it shouldn't be hard to find I'm someone in space. <laughs> oh, he's running into the Armageddon gang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if necessary, I will destroy the project in its entirety. This is such a weird scene. Now they're they're having like a. Uh, the Earth puts hopes in a shootout on Land Rover, <laughs> the moon, or something. Now it's fate. It's on me. The problem I have is that none of it makes any you sense. Have a job to do. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. You know, everyone wants some of that uh, interstellary uh, uh, award Oscar award buzz. Yeah, what was the other one? Gravity. Yes, gravity. You want to get into mm -hmm. that gravity space? But look mm -hmm. at how First Man was ignored. Yeah. I mean, it really mm -hmm. was. Like, it came out and everybody thought it had high expectations, and then like it got like a score nomination or whatever, and people were kind of on the fence about it. And I, I think that this one might underperform because of that same thing. I think people are getting space fatigue. I think you're right because Interstellar didn't do as well as I. I thought Interstellar was amazing. I loved Interstellar. Yeah, yeah. That's but great. it, it but, didn't. But neither movie had a shootout with with moon rovers. <laughs> right. That's what we went, That's what the movie should be called. Yeah. Yeah. Shootout you know, with moon rovers. <laughs> Gravity won a bunch of awards. Interstellar didn't get as many mm -hmm. nominations and as many awards as i thought it deserved and then like you say first man just kind of barely got anything it barely moved the but needle it, at all it uh, messed up the oscar polls with winning uh, best effects right so. <laughs> this is curious i mean this is obviously oscar bait mm -hmm. i don't they know they both are they both are yeah they're sure. both very big oscar mm -hmm. movies so i am curious to see them but i'm i don't know mm -hmm. uh, mm. on the fence very fancy <laughs> And the title too, like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, Astra, maybe it's the name of uh, the, the, the project ship or something. That they're working the project, on. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that's a pro the, uh, yeah. the the name of it sounds horrible. Yeah, My first thought was they just spelled Ed Asner wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just sounds like some sort of like 
tech or pharmaceutical company yeah. like ad astra makes all of your yeah. world life <laughs> needs combined together in one iCloud. side so, effects include <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the name of tommy lee jones's gardener yeah maybe that's <laughs> ad astra is not for everybody yeah <laughs> ask your doctor if ad astra is right for you side effects include your father disappearing in space <laughs> yes. and the end of life on the planet <laughs> earth so um actually we should take a little poll like uh, and i'm sure it's online somewhere but uh, we don't know the answer what do we think Ad Astra is? Without Googling Without it. Googling Without it, asking. Yeah. I'm sure Without can, asking Aaron. <laughs> we're going online. I'm sure you can find the answer online, but just yes. off the top of your head, what yeah. do you think it is? I think it's the name of the ship I th- that got lost that uh, Tommy Lee Jones was on. I think it's like the robot that has become completely aware and is going to blow up the planet, and they've got to fight it in a HAL-type way. I think it is the code name for the project that Tommy Lee Jones was working on. Sort of like how Cloverfield was just the fake title for mm-hmm. the movie and then ended up being mm-hmm. the name of the movie because mm-hmm. it was just being secretive. I think that's what the Ad Astra is, like the Ad Astra project or whatever. Okay, Aaron, we're going to keep going, and then when you have the answer, let us know if it exists. Okay. Um, all right, now we have um, on DVD and Blu-ray, we have Captain Marvel. This was a, again fun movie, not my favorite Marvel movie, but it was um, it was still fun. But it did feel rushed. I think they didn't do enough with Brie Larson and her character. And it also it's interesting because it bled over into uh, um, Endgame because they she didn't feel that developed there either. Mm-hmm. So it's very powerful, came and went, and blew a bunch of stuff up. And uh, but really, we didn't really get to the core of her character the way they do with the other Marvel characters for sure. So I, I think we're going to see more of Captain Marvel. I'd like them to spend more time in, on the actual character than her powers. I feel like the focus was more on her, like she's the Superman of the Marvel Universe. Well, that's great, but you know we know Superman's entire backstory and all of those things. It's not just about flying and heat vision. You know, we know the origin and his philosophy towards humanity and all those things. So we wouldn't see more of that. All right, Aaron, I'm sorry, before we mm-hmm. weigh in on that, Aaron, you have mm-hmm. some information on what mm-hmm. Ad Astra means. Now, this is was going to be sort of my guess. It was going to be, it's, it's Latin, so I figured it meant something in Latin. It means to the stars. Oh, so kind of generic. So it's just a Latin thing? Yeah, just, yeah, like, all right, to the stars. <laughs> e pluribus unum. Yes. <laughs> all right, that makes me want to see the movie less now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. What a dead land wage thing. <laughs> Maybe that's like something he says to Liv Tyler before he leaves for work. They go, hey, Ed Astra? Ed Astra. Ed Astra. <laughs> <laughs> and then he takes off. Ed Astra, baby. Appeals <laughs> <laughs> out of the, of the driveway in a Corvette. <laughs> All right. The next one. Oh, go ahead. I don't know. <laughs> I my only issue with Captain Marvel, Marvel real quick is that um, she's the most powerful probably hero in the Marvel universe, right? Yes. Like they kind of mm-hmm. make that claim to it, but she's so busy with all the other planets yeah. in the solar system <laughs> that she can't be bothered to be more hands on deck for Thanos, who is basically mm. wiping out half of the universe and that whole thing. So to me, that whole thing is just a little bit like, all right, they have all these, they just want to like close the book on chapter on the first phase of the right. things and give the Avengers or send offs and mm. that whole thing. So she can't really be involved right. But the logic of it is like, Oh, I'm just busy in Quasar four or wherever they yeah. <laughs> I got a clock in over there. Mm-hmm. Like that just always kind of bothered me a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, but thanks for your page. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's my only kind of real qualm with it. Yeah. That's the thing. And I think it kind of goes to Chris's point a little bit, which is sort of how I felt was, I wish they would have, written it out a little like i don't know i felt like i know they were trying to be quippy 90s dialogue 
but it got a little old for me and I wanted to give her more because Brie Larson is such a fine actress that right. I felt like, I mean, it was still a fun movie. I had fun. Mm-hmm. It's not the worst Marvel movie ever. And I think, you know, I remember we talked about it when we did the spoiler for it was had this come out earlier in the Marvel world, um, we probably would have thought it was more amazing. But now we're putting it up against the Guardians movie, right. Infinity yeah. War, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, it, it, it's, it, it has a little, it has a higher bar for sure, the Marvel mm-hmm. world does. I also don't like the period things in it. I mean, I love the idea of them, but it's always just like, I'm wearing a Nirvana shirt. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's just always just like, they point it out half the time too, and I just hate that. It's just right. like, just be in that time period mm-hmm. and the little details will be there, but you don't have to point it out yeah. right, you, so much. It doesn't, you don't have to have an Atari logo on your shirt. Right. To, it's for us to know it's the 80s. That's, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It's, you don't have to beat us over the head with it. So Pull I agree with that. some giant too. cell phone and go, oh, well, yeah. aren't these small? The, right. the, you know? the go-to always seems the band. The band shirt. That always seems like that's like the first thing everyone goes right. to. It's like okay, or the posters on the wall of a kid that's like a teenager, which were clearly mm-hmm. like not necessarily would be up on that person's wall. It's just something that they got clearances for or whatever mm-hmm. that are time period you know, <laughs> sensitive. And it just always that always kind of bugs me. So like, look at any teens wall in a period piece and just see like what set dressing they just put up there that they got mm-hmm. the rights to. They're like, I don't know if yep. that kid was that into screaming trees or whatever yeah. it is yeah. you know what i mean like what, whatever what does the prop house have available that's the kid's favorite band and right. there were that's... kids when i was in the 80s that were like elvis fans or whatever they mm. had elvis and beatles in there they didn't all have tiffany and debbie mm. gibson or whatever like so it's not it's never that accurate like you say mm. it just feels like set dressing mm. for that period a kid would have these posters. Well, it's not really yeah. specific to that kid. I had cardboard standees from video stores that I got for free because I was obsessed with movies. So like, mm-hmm. I had a standee for Broadcast News, which was one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies. As a 12-year-old, I had one for Willow, and I had one for Dirty Dancing. But these are the things I just got from the video stores they are going to like throw out when the promotion right. period went. And mm-hmm. I just put those up, and then movie posters and stuff too. So like, they weren't necessarily indicative of you know what was super popular at the time. They were just things that you had. Did you have a, uh, a Cole movie? Movie party in your house with all of the uh, the standees. Yeah. <laughs> it was more like oh, for the actual film, yeah. it wasn't like just the person. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I just pretty much like the the room that I had had like really like strawberry wallpaper because it was like some like kids' right. room when I inherited it when we moved in. So like I just just completely covered it with movie posters that I got mm. from the video store. So some were like movies I really liked and some were just like Nadine with Jeff Bridges. <laughs> just cause like I got that for free and like it was better than the strawberries. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I think about that too. Like I didn't give a shit about hanging. Any, I like barely, I put some stuff up on the wall, but it was so just like haphazard. I never sat and like, well, I need to decorate my room cause I'm 12. Right. Like, you know what I mean? I was just like, yeah, you got a free, Oh, Oh, there's a, a Cubs poster giveaway. All right, I'll just tape that up on my way. It was never mm-hmm. like, I'm really into this, so I need to put a poster of it up. I just mm-hmm. was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know what any of this means. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, and the next one is Five Feet Apart. This is a, uh, um, I don't know if it's a remake, but it's the same concept of like, you know, a, a Bubble Boy type movie. It's a romance right. that, you know, right. two um, love-struck teenagers can't touch because of a... a physical disease or something or a um like a, a, a condition or something yeah, yeah that they can't get close enough but but you just want them to get closer that's you yeah. just want it to happen I just wish. maybe they could take the chance for love you love know? will protect them i think love, love, love will inoculate them i think it will <laughs> <laughs> that should be the real title of this movie yeah. love will inoculate you <laughs> 
<laughs> so you can check that out. And then the last one is Captive State. We actually had a guest, Heather Dowling, who saw this film. Um, uh, it was one of those films that they're like, oh, this sounds like a really interesting premise, uh, but not a great movie. But like, it's uh, set in Chicago. Aliens have already invaded. We're already in a captive state. And it's like a resistant movement, but there's um, um, people who work with the aliens. And then it, it's, it has like raises like the moral conjury. Well, is this saving more lives if we work, lives if we work with them or we overthrow them? Uh, but apparently it does nothing and goes nowhere. Oh, great. So. <laughs> and evidently the aliens are in it for like five minutes. Like mm-hmm. the, yeah. when you see them, they're cool, but you barely see them because it right. didn't have a big budget. It's full, mm-hmm. chock full of like character actors. So I was actually mm-hmm. interested in it, but I didn't get to it. And mm-hmm. um, actually Kevin Pollock and Jamie Foxx went on Doughboys because they went to the AMC Dine-In and they watched that movie. So they mm-hmm. kind of uh, kind of trashed it from that too. <laughs> but, uh, but I'll probably check it out when it comes out on iTunes or whatever. So I'm curious, but it was not enough to get to the theater for the week and a half that it played. Right. So, so okay, I want to talk about the um, the Patreon tiers for a second. We sent out our first Loot Crate. Uh, I, I think a, a, a picture of it went onto the Twitter feed. If not, uh, I know Daniel will be posting that on the Comedy Film Nerd site. We, we had said that, like, if you do the $25 Loot Crate tier, uh, if you do it for two months, we'll send you $100 worth of stuff. Um, we changed it, and I'm telling you right now, I'm actually sending out $200 worth of stuff. Oh, so, well. So right now, if you do that and you do it for two months, you're going to get $200 worth of stuff. I was barely able to uh, close the uh, priority mailbox that I, I put it in, but uh, you get a lot of cool stuff. DVDs, books, CDs, T-shirts, and uh, some weird stuff we have in the garage. I think the last one got a ninja hood. So as a bonus, this is what happens when we leave Chris alone in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> he just starts. I just go crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, so oh, somebody's gonna like this. This yeah. is really, why would the, why would nobody, somebody not want this? So uh, check it out the, at the Patreon tier. That's at the twenty five dollar level. Just all you got to do it for uh, is for two months, and we will send you two hundred dollars worth of stuff from the garage. All right, and premiering this week is Men in Black International, and. Um, this I'll tell you, this is the kind of movie that not only do I not want to see it when I watch the trailer, it makes me sad. So <laughs> it's one of those things, and I and I was talking about it. I think ahead of the the Godzilla spoiler because that's where, like I'm watching. And, and again, I like Godzilla. Listen to the spoiler next week. Mm-hmm. But I'm watching all the trailers, and it's all just rehashes. It's Men yes. in Black. It's mm-hmm. it's Shaft. Well, it's summer. Yeah, so. <laughs> right. But it's like Hollywood is really. And they have for the last five years or maybe longer, but they're really doubling down on this rehash the old property. Like there was nothing inventive or new. Or I was like, come on. Someone has to have some new interesting idea. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of them. They're just not getting bought or produced. Well, when it does get made and it becomes a hit, then they'll just do that nine times. Right. Exactly. Right. Oh, see this new innovative thing? Oh, yeah. Look, it was nothing like anything uh, came before it. But uh, now let's do it again nine times. So... Uh, I kind of actually want to see that movie, I'll be honest with you, because it's kind of like Thor and Valkyrie spinoff. Right. <laughs> it really feels <laughs> so, that way, yeah. Even the casting is lazy yep. for this movie. I mean, it, it's... It, it, I just look at a movie like that, and because we've grown up... Oh, grown up. We've uh, come up through independent film. I look at a movie like that, and I go, you know what? You could make $201 million features for this. I know. <laughs> and, they, and even if half of them are awful... You've still done something better. <laughs> you would in that two hundred. You would fu- there would be some amazing yeah. movies made. You'd yeah, get some really mm-hmm. talented mm-hmm. filmmakers and writers mm-hmm. and people together. You would like these are going to be amazing. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, they're making too many movies, guys. Let's be honest. Like, now that, now there's Netflix and all those other things too. Like, there's so much content mm-hmm. that you can't keep up. So I just don't think there's anywhere to put them. Mm-hmm. I think point. it's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> and uh, premiering this week, The Dead Don't Die. I really want to see this movie. Just when I thought, like, I, I'm done with zombies. I don't want to see anymore. But Jim Jarmusch is doing a zombie movie with Bill Murray. I'm in. I want to see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cast is incredible. Mm-hmm. I love Jim Jarmusch. I mm-hmm. hate the zombie genre. I hate it, hate it, hate it, hate yeah. it. I it's just played out. It's, it's, it's so played out. Yeah. I just, and I don't like gore really, which mm-hmm. it probably will be. It'll probably be arty gore, but right. it'll be gore. There'll be so some like, for sure. Right. So like, I'll probably see it because the cast is amazing. Yeah. But I just, I just, I never get excited about zombie movies. Well, I you can don't. tell by the trailer, like, you know, just when there's a gory scene, the trailer like cuts out and goes to a joke. Like you see every time, like a guy's about, uh, a zombie's about to get its head blown off or something like, oh, cut. <laughs> I, I had a similar reaction to the trailer, Cole, and like I was like, if this cast and this director were on anything else, right? <laughs> I, would throw, I would sprint to the theater. But I'm so done with the zombie thing. Mm-hmm. I never liked it. I mean, every once in a while, they're like, "Oh, make them fast" or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they've done that, but like I just, I just, I don't know. I just think it's lazy. I just don't think there's anything to it, really. I think we've seen it a billion times, and I don't know. It just never excites me anymore. I was excited when Walking Dead came out mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Yeah. I got it. Yep. So um, this one, I think, you know, if I had to choose what movies are coming out this weekend, it's going to be that one. <laughs> uh, and the next one is Shaft. And, you know, I don't have anything against these Shaft movies. They're they're okay. But I don't know if I need another one. I don't know if I need uh, three generations of Shaft um, put together for a money grab. I'm all in. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be honest, because the 2001 Shaft, I thought was fantastic. Like mm-hmm. when Sam Jackson first took the role and like, right. Jeffrey Wright's villain in that is so amazing that mm-hmm. like I really liked it. So and it's been since 2001, I think. So yeah. it's been 18 years. So I'm good with it. And I like the fact that it's the three generations. Well, mm-hmm. whether it'll be good or not, I don't know. But yeah. I think the trailer is pretty amusing. So I don't know. I'll give it a shot. Well, I think out of the three... I'll do the dead. You do shaft, and uh, you know we'll we'll come back when you get back from the road. <laughs> we'll yeah, talk I'm not about seeing it. any of these. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not. I'm glad we're taking next week off because I'll see something else. Actually, yeah, you can um you, you can avoid them because we've got a, a show banked for next week. Yeah, I'm going to mm. see something. Going on the road at Astra. Yeah. Going to the stars. Yeah, oh, the stars. I am yeah. at Astraing my way. <laughs> yep. Through the East Coast right. telling jokes. <laughs> so that is our show, Cole. Uh, where can people find you online, and when you got uh, coming up? Uh, Other than you the can uh, festival, find me. I have a website that's sometimes updated. That's colstratton.com. I'm <laughs> on uh, Twitter as at colstratton and uh, Instagram is at stratton cole. I actually collect a lot of movie posters, like old movie posters, forum posters, and stuff. So I put those up mm-hmm. uh, pretty often. Uh, so there's ton- like hundreds of those up. If you want to check those out, they're kind of fun. Um, and I do a lot of stuff over at the Westside Comedy Theater in Santa Monica. I have um, the sh- a monthly pop culture trivia show that i run called nerdology mm-hmm. there's one coming up this friday at six o'clock p.m that's mm-hmm. june um 12th 13th something like that it's the 14th uh, the 14th 14th uh, at six o'clock I've, I've won it by the way aaron has won it oh wow he has won it it's 80s night that's the theme for this one so i'm sure oh. i'll put up some posters <laughs> that are <laughs> appropriate to the night uh that's really fun and then i'm also at 10 o'clock that night i'm in mission improbable which is their like flagship show that i'm in a couple times a month usually um, yeah, so just check me out on those things. 
All right. Awesome. Progressive Comedy Tour is this week on the East Coast. Ron Placone and I are going June 12th to Washington, D.C., June 13th, Baltimore, June 14, 15. If you're not the West Side Comedy Theater in Santa Monica, go to Philadelphia. We'll be there. Uh, June 16th, we're in New Haven, Connecticut. June 17th, New York City. June 19th, Boston. Use Nightcrawler to get you one of those. All of them. <laughs> and uh, go to GrahamElwood.com for all of the ticketing and all of your tour dating. So, and uh, the next issue of Long Ago and Far Away is out. And uh, this is a, a script that I've been working on for a really long time. It just happened to be this issue. There's a joke about somebody going, look, just don't go all Dark Phoenix on me. <laughs> and it, that issue dropped the same week the movie uh, came out. So, yes, I planned that 10 years ago, that Easter egg specifically for this weekend. So. <laughs> Brilliant, Chris. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I've time traveled. I got it just right. That's what I worked on you... with my time machine is an Easter egg. You're like so. the Illuminati in your Days of future past. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so check that out from uh, Starburns Press on Comicsology, um, long ago and far away. And that is our show. Greg. That's our show, everybody. Mm. Cole, thank you so much. Yeah. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, and Aaron, thank you so much for all the work you do on the All Things Comedy ones and twos. My name is Graham Elwood, and I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first.